I love being objectified. It's like, why am I good at what I do? But if I'm just like talking to the fucking loathe cashier and they ask me what's in my pants, I'm not going to be in a place where I'm willing to share that information. You know what I mean? Well, I should politely ask, what are you comfortable sharing with about the bottom surgery? Because I know nothing about it. Oh, girl, I'm here to school you. I'm ready. (laughs) School me, please, daddy. Welcome back, my slutrepreneurs and my baby sluts in training. If you're new to the show, we talk about sluts who like to make money, the ups and downs of running an empire, and my weirdest fuck life in general. P.S. If you didn't know already, my mini ebook series for OnlyFans beginners and panty selling connoisseurs is on my new website, RebeccaBlue.com. That's Rebecca with two Ks. So go check that out if that's something you might be interested in. So back to business today is a very important episode. I'm very grateful you have chosen this one to listen to. My lovely new friend, Hansi Handyman, is a trans sex worker who messaged me on OnlyFans wanting to share his story. So sit back and let's welcome PJ to the Slutrepreneur Podcast. Hello, Sluts. I'm happy to be here. So this is actually our take two. We recorded our intro um, and got a few minutes in and then the universe was like, no, we don't want this information out. So we're going to just fucking put it out even harder now. I'm ready to just go in balls deep. Yeah, we're just <laughs> plowing it. Plowing it off. So you are an OnlyFans creator. Uh, I'm going to read your profile because I think it's also a good way to introduce you. You say you're just your friendly neighborhood trans boy, a handyman woodworker by trade, kink enthusiast, and the sweetest is it sadist? Yeah, sadist. Sadist. I on the last episode I called it a saddest and was so <laughs> fucking embarrassed. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Don't worry. Um, you post tasteful nudes and other explicit content daily. So this is your paid page. You also have a free account as well, which is very smart. But is there anything else you want to share with the world about you before we share everything? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like all I can think of is you can envision me as the world's husband. That's what my wife likes to call me. So I think that, I love it. that gives you everything you need to know. So we're going to dip into the basics really quick because some people have no idea what's going on in the world. But transgender is denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender does not correspond with their birth sex. And then oppositely, cisgender, also called cis, is when your gender identity matches the sex assigned at birth. So for example, if you're someone who identifies as a woman and you are assigned female at birth, you are cisgender. So it's basically the opposite of... Of transgender. And then let's have you give the definition for LGBTQ+. So LGBTQ, I mean, there is like a lot of letters in there nowadays, but the base is lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, queer, and then I is intersex, A is asexual, I believe, 
and it's really inclusive. So you can kind of mix it up however, you know, however you identify and add yourself into that rainbow. We're very welcoming over here. How do you feel as the letters continue to add on to that? Because I find myself hearing in conversations, people are just like the LGBTQ, but you and I'm like, come on now, show a little respect. Yeah, I mean, I think that it really just denotes the ways that we're forging ahead in how we see identity and sexuality as a whole. So for me, I really enjoy seeing new letters coming up because it's teaching me something about people and how they see themselves. And I think that that's a really mind-blowing thing when you think about the like large scheme of humanity. I love that. That's a very well put uh, definition, even though no one can really be defined, if that makes sense. We can only define ourselves. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So you were telling me that you were in therapy as a youngin, And I'm curious, like, why were you in therapy? And how did your therapist help you get in touch with your true self? Oh, amazing question. So yeah, I've just... I love therapy. I've been doing it since I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, just because I came from a background with lots of drama, lots of addiction related issues, not for myself, but my my caretakers. So I kind of started that path to start to come to terms with everything that I had kind of not processed throughout my childhood. But when I started therapy again, and, you know, essentially came to the realization that I was a trans man, I was in the army, and I was stationed out in South Korea, which was pretty baller, but I was really far away from my family and friends and felt very disconnected. I was depressed, I needed just to have a an outlet. And so I went and started talking to this therapist on base. And she had noticed within our first few sessions that anytime I you know, was making a metaphor about myself, or like kind of denoting myself, it was always like, I'm a little boy in a race car, or I feel like a teenage boy in puberty or whatever. And she'd be like, Do you realize that you do that? And I'm like, No, I mean, it's just what I do. She's like, I want you to maybe take some time and focus on, you know, why you might be doing that. And at first, I was like, dude, that's just like who I am. How dare you try and make me question that? And um, then I took some time and made a kind of a pros and cons list about things that I really enjoyed about my current identity and things that really bothered me. And I found that a lot of the things that bothered me were kind of my physical traits, like my boobs, big hips, having a vagina, having a period, those things all created this um, unease in me. And the things that I did like weren't necessarily like gendered. It was just like, I'm resilient. I am determined. I, you know, am creative. And so that's when I really was like, oh, shit, I think that I am trans. Did that scare you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I found out once I... Once I came to this conclusion with my therapist, she, because she worked for the army, had to pass it along to my leadership because it's defined still as a mental illness in the military. So were you prepared for her to do that with 
the repercussions that might happen? No, not at all. I had no idea. We had a great therapy session. I was like, this is amazing. I think I understand more about who I am now. And she's like, ooh, so because this is technically a mental illness that's going to affect your you know, battle readiness, I have to speak to your leadership about it. Let's Google, is trans a mental illness? Like who the fuck decided that? Yeah. Gender dysphoria. Of course, the American Psychiatric Association. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think the DSM, uh, God, I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's it's like the diagnosis manual for mental illnesses that like therapists use. Mm-hmm. Um, they removed the definition as like an illness and more like a affect or like a just a mm-hmm. thing that happens to patients, like kind of taking the negative connotation away from it. But the military, when I was in, which was what, like 2013, they still were using the old DSM, hadn't updated anything. You know, they were like, just pass, don't ask, don't tell. So I should have not expected much. (laughs) That's, I mean, I commend the therapist for helping, assisting you to to cope with your reality and find yourself. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of therapists that don't do that, especially what's uh, like the pray the gay way. (laughs) Is that what it's called? Like that makes me nauseous. And, you know, when we were getting to know each other about 30 minutes ago, (laughs) I was expressing how my caretakers, particularly my mom, I love that you call them caretakers because sometimes they don't act motherly or fatherly. They're simply there to take care of you. She taught me unconditional love. You know, I was definitely a slutty teenager and she was very, uh, is Christian the right word to use? Um, uh, conservative. And she accepted me and gave me the tools to navigate who I was and teaching me to be non-judgmental, which is, I think what Christianity is supposed to teach you. Uh, (laughs) she, that's just how I see the world. It's like when I'm scrolling on TikTok, I don't stop and comment and judge people. And I notice the people that do are very angry. So like I say a lot, hurt people, hurt people. And Mm -hmm. People will not judge certain things and let things slide. You know, they won't judge people for getting a a boob job or Botox, but God forbid they want to, you know, see, like I said before, I don't want to say any words that would come off as offensive, but I'm trying to also be authentic here. And I encourage you to correct my verbiage if it can be that way, but... Totally. I am here for you. I'm I'm, I'm ready. But... I don't even know where I was going with that. I just think, you know, we're we're all just existing and let each other exist. So how old were you when, I mean, did they say like you have to leave the army? Yeah. So what ended up happening um, was, well, uh, I'll back up a little bit. I joined the army when I was 24. So much later than the, the average recruit, I think. So I was, you know, in my mid 20s when all of this was going down. So luckily I had a little bit of kind of wherewithal and I wasn't as subject to being pushed in one way or another to making my decisions. I wanted to just do the things that felt good to me. So like I said, it got passed up to my leadership and my first leader in the chain of command um, actually has a sister-in-law who is trans and he was like, Mm -hmm. I totally get it. I've watched her walk through this and how hard it is. Whatever you need, 
I got you. And I was like, sweet, this seems great. And then one day I got called into my colonel's office. He's the leader of the the brigade that I was in. And he was basically like, look, you've done great work. You haven't gotten in any trouble. I know you personally, so I know that you're not a bad person, but I don't want people like you in my ranks. Wow. What is it like carrying that weight of judgment or people shaming? Well, you know, at the time, I had this feeling of abandonment. Like, Mm -hmm. this colonel, I was lucky enough to work with him pretty often, which is unusual for, like, the lower or junior enlisted ranks in the military. And so I worked with him almost every day of the week. And we were in constant contact because I was a journalist. So I would follow him around and take pictures and do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it felt kind of like a betrayal, a little bit of an abandonment. But overall, I've always had the attitude that, like, if... I have to change anything about myself that I feel is helping me be a good person in order to make you happy. You can go fuck right off. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> yeah. And that makes me wonder if it triggered any other abandonment in your life. You know, I'm curious what your parents might have thought. What was it like coming out or did you have any previous coming out before the army with thoughts of not knowing who you were? Is that like, I don't even know if that's the right verbiage to say, like not knowing who you were, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think, yeah, to a degree, I didn't, I didn't know who I was partially because I hadn't gotten the experiences that kind of guided me through that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think your verbiage is fine. Okay. So it definitely triggered abandonment issues, which I am chock full of. Um, My dad was never around. I met him once when I was two. So like, not a big deal. Um, My mom, she had issues with drugs and alcohol and kind of left me to the wolves. And actually, I ended up raising my two younger sisters. I feel like when children go through trauma or those rough experiences, it definitely strengthens who you are and almost like prepared you for what was to come. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I feel like it's unfortunately not rare enough, but pretty rare that a child raises children and that that gets you ready for the gnarliest of tasks. Let me tell you, Mm -hmm. my younger sisters, so they're both younger than me. The middle one had a lot of like anger issues when she was a kid. So I had to learn as somebody who is nine years older than her, but still a child, how to navigate that and how to not be angry at her and how to Mm -hmm. help her learn how to work through those anger issues. And she actually is the one who introduced me to you, funny enough. Really? No way. (laughs) Yeah. She... I think saw you on social media and my entire family and friend circle knows about my history and sex work. And, you know, as soon as I started in OnlyFans, I texted my sister and I was like, okay, took the plunge. And she was like, oh my God, no (laughs) fucking way. I got to show you this girl. She is hilarious and smart and like a real businesswoman knows what she's doing. I'm going to cry. Yeah. And and then I... (laughs) Like I said in my emails, or well, I think on OnlyFans when I messaged you, like I've just been devouring your work and just taking notes because this business person game is like hardcore and you just fucking run that shit. Oh. Bro. 
I don't know what I'm doing, but it works. And I want to share all the fuck ups that lead to the success. And I just feel like there's this gap in your life. And I don't want to spend the whole episode like diving into your childhood and stuff, even though it's very important. But the gray area of discovering who you are, who you're meant to be, and then becoming a OnlyFans content creator that is <laughs> fetishizing themselves on being trans. Yeah. So I think part of the gap is it was, I didn't just go from, you know, being a child raising children to like hot trans dude peddling. <laughs> I definitely had a couple of steps in the process. When I was a teenager, I started getting into girls because I didn't realize it was a possibility. And I was like, damn, this is awesome. And uh, so I came out as bi. And shortly thereafter, I had my first sexual experience with a guy. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, definitely just into women. <laughs> And so I came out as lesbian. I identified as a a fairly masculine presenting butch lesbian. And I presented that way while I was in the army, very masculine. And then when I went through this therapy experience and came out as trans, Mm -hmm. I guess that would be the gap filler to where I am now. I know that typically a name change comes with that. Could you explain what a dead name is and what that means to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. So a dead name is the name that you were given at birth. For a lot of trans people, it is a very like triggering word because it symbolizes everything that they frankly feel disconnected with. And, you know, a name means everything. We wouldn't Mm -hmm. put so much effort into us personally as sex workers, like into our names if it meant nothing, you know? So for some, and I can only speak to my experience, Mm -hmm. my dead name is like the most triggering thing in the world for me. Like sometimes, and this is going to sound stupid, I will be like in the bathroom and one of my wife's hairs will be like on the shower and if it's shaped like the letter of my dead name, I like, like curl up in a ball. It's ridiculous. Well, I myself have different names for my different aliases and when even like spelling. So when someone emails me with like the true spelling of my real name, it also takes me back to a time where I was really insecure and not the queen I wanted to be. Mm. Uh, So that's the only way I I can kind of relate to that. And I mean, triggers are scary. And the silver lining in triggers, like with social media, it is interesting how people use the word trigger warning before they dive in into something sensitive. So do you see that a lot when you're like scrolling on social media? I definitely see a lot of it in this like time or the season of our lives, a lot of the things that people have trigger warnings associated with are like violent or like mental health issues, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like I'll see a lot of trigger warnings for people who are having feelings about, you know, like taking their own lives. Mm -hmm. But in general, it is pretty prominent among like the trans community, especially because dysphoria is such a mini headed beast for people. Have you ever felt depressed in a way where like, did you ever have suicidal thoughts or is anyone around you in your community? Is that something you had to help anyone with? Yeah. Definitely. I personally have had had issues in the past where I have really been tempted to take my own life just because 
I mean, life in general is overwhelming, but life Mm -hmm. being a trans person and having this kind of fear constantly behind you. What helped you get out of that? Unless you're, I mean, I'm sure it's always a battle. Every day is a battle. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think that it has gotten a lot better. One, because I'm back in therapy and have an outlet for it that is third party non-judgmental. That like is everything. Mm -hmm. I jumped on the med train. I have been immensely improved since starting taking Ooh, I got mine right here. Well, my uh, my antidepressants. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of people don't want to accept that meds are actually helpful. They think that it's like a crutch or something. But mm-hmm. I can tell you, it has helped me to be a better person, essentially. Like, I'm not so focused on everything I hate about myself or being anxious about going to the bathroom however many times I go that day and being worried about, you know, getting jumped. So it's definitely like toned things down. I feel more confident. And, you know, that's where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a battle. I don't know that I'm over it. And sometimes it still comes up. But among other people in my community, there's certainly a lot of trans people in particular that I've talked to who have been really on the cusp of deciding whether they should continue this path and fight through it for the hopes that they will feel good about being accepted for who they are and taking their own life. So it's it's really rough. Yeah, my mom always, when my uh, meds started to kick in the, in the right direction, she was like, prior to that, she was like, everything always had a million exclamation points, whether you were happy, sad, or in the middle. Mm. She was like, now it's just like one exclamation point. Oh, I love that so much. So aside from, you know, those kind of meds, like for me, it's, you know, antidepressants and anti-bipolar, but what are the meds you take to be more masculine? Oh, great question. So I am currently taking and have been taking since I started my medical transition, testosterone. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's like every human being has a certain amount of testosterone and estrogen running through their bodies. But you know, biologically born male people have more testosterone. And so I take an external version of that and internalize it in my body. And so that's the only med that I take, thankfully, for that. What was your experience when you started that? Was it really exciting when you started to see a change? Oh, hells yeah. Yeah, I I remember I took my first shot. I have a video of it that I cannot watch because my voice, I can't even, like, I don't have the deepest voice now, but just looking back at that video and seeing how high-pitched my voice was, I just cringed so hard. But yeah, when it started, when my voice started cracking, I started like every tiny (laughs) speck of facial hair that would come in, I was just like throwing myself a party. Well, I'm I'm looking at your pictures on OnlyFans and you have a very nice beard. I love it. And again, I'd like to say something and I'm I'm just being I'm overcautious when I talk in general. I overtalk, but 
I would say, like, I looked at your page and I was like, okay, this is a guy. You don't even look trans to me. And I know that's called passing sometimes, but Mm -hmm. I also understand like trans people, whether they look like they're passing or not, they're still trans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I have that privilege of passing. I don't have a lot of people question my identity. I'm a short guy. So sometimes, especially in the LGBTQIA community, people will kind of clock you as Mm -hmm. a trans guy if you're on the shorter side or have small hands or whatever. But when it comes to the world at large, I do have that privilege, but absolutely. And also, if you aren't medically transitioning just because you choose not to, you you just feel best in your body, you know, just identifying as he, him, or or mm-hmm. even they, them, that's also valid as a trans identity. So in our emails, I asked you what your pronouns were. And to me, that's a respectful thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't sure if that is disrespectful to ask someone's pronouns or when you talk to humans in general, if we should all just be referred to as a, a they. You shouldn't feel disrespectful at all. You nailed it. I like when I read that, I like got some like butterflies going on because it's very rare that people are cognizant enough of that. And I mm-hmm. do think that in a lot of settings, it would be really beneficial to kind of lead the conversation with my pronouns are this, what are yours? And the people who aren't really bothered by or, you know, not necessarily uncomfortable, but it doesn't affect them are going to be fine saying, well, duh, I'm a he, him or whatever. But for yeah, the trans yeah. community, it means so much more. And I, I hope anyone listening takes this as an opportunity. If you hear someone calling a trans person like an it or a thing, like it's your opportunity to step up and correct someone because we can't move towards a positive world or a better world without people being allies to the community. And I think that's really important to educate and correct people who who simply don't know that that could be wrong. Yeah, I had some experiences where I had been referred to as an it or a thing. And I cannot tell you how horrible it feels. Hey, that karma and that energy that they emit will come right back to <laughs> oh, yeah. They're going to get a big old knuckle sandwich by Karma. Sup, bitches. I just wanted to interrupt the show and let you guys know we finally have merch. You've been asking for it. So I made a few designs. We got some hoodies, some hats that say Slutpreneur, Slut, CEO, and much more will come. But if you want to Spring is in the air, lovelies, and with it comes a fresh wave of energy, blossoming flowers, and endless possibilities. But you know what puts an extra skip in my step? My fabulous partners at Viahem. Trusted by a whopping 250,000 plus goddesses just like you, Viahem's products are just like a magical wellness wand in a bottle. Feeling a bit frazzled after a hectic day? Cue the Via gummies for instant relaxation. Battling stress and anxiety? Don't worry, there's a gummy for that too. And for those intimate moments, Via has concocted something truly special. High Love Gummies. Infused with pleasure-boosting cannabinoids, libido-reviving herbs, and just the right touch of THC, these gummies are your ticket to an electrifying experience between the sheets. But wait, there's more. Via offers an array of other gummies, with or without THC, catering to every goddess's needs. Whether you prefer a subtle 2mg dose or a bolder 50mg kick, 
Viya has your back. From improving sleep to sharpening focus or aiding in recovery, there's a gummy for every occasion. And the cherry on top? You can easily browse and shop their collection online, categorized by strength and effect. And here's the best part, darling. Viya ships discreetly to all 50 states, right to your doorstep. No medical card needed. So go ahead, indulge in a little self-care spree with Viya Hemp because you deserve nothing but the best goddess. Head over to viahemp.com and use code goddess to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. 21 and up only. That's viahemp, V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code goddess at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. Now back to the show. See what we have so far, check out slutpreneur.com. And the link will also be in the bio because I know no one can spell slutpreneur. But come check out the merch and thanks for listening. Back to the show. So I'm looking, I, I just have your OnlyFans pulled up. This is just funny. Like every time I talk to a, a model, there's just like dicks everywhere on my computer, oh, pussies yeah. wide open. But I love this whole lumberjack character because in a lot of my handbooks, when people people don't not know how to promote themselves and it's like mm-hmm. a what makes you unique b like emphasize that and mm-hmm. what you've created is like a beautiful only fans character that you know you get to create the storyline with your subs and was it just easy for you to say okay this is what i do i'm gonna incorporate that because you have like nudes in the woods and i'm mm-hmm. living for it yeah i mean I think to a degree, it was easy once I stopped thinking about it, because I spent some time kind of going through because I have been with in person clients all the way up until like, I think I told you late November, and each client has different needs, right? For some, I'm a sexy handyman in a jockstrap. For others, I am like doming the shit out of them in their living room. And for still others, I'm just a very like submissive, almost a a daddy son situation where I'm just like, yes, daddy, you're the best, you know? Do you find that closeted men come to you a lot? And how do you feel about that? I feel like because I'm providing a service to these men, especially, I mean, I primarily work with men. There have been a few women, but it's mostly, mostly cis men. I just, I try not to to judge at all because it's not going to provide a good experience for either of us. So when a closeted Mm -hmm. guy comes in and says, you know, my wife's at home and this is what I want and whatever, I'm just like, you know, that's your business. I'm here to make Mm -hmm. you feel good for the time that we're together. And I'm really sincere in that. I don't want people to feel shame about experiencing like sexual gratification, or even just intimacy in general. Wonderful, wonderful answer. And in my experience, when married men approach me, and like you said, like, oh, my, my wife's almost home, da, 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 make this quick. And mm-hmm. you get women on social media, well, not just women, but I've seen more women say like, you're disgusting for breaking up marriages, homewrecker. And why do people point blame at the person doing their job? Like, hello, maybe you should uh, have a conversation with your husbands. Yeah, for real. If I mean, because honestly, if it weren't you or I, it was going to be somebody else. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And, Say it louder for the people in the back. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I think communication in sex work and in normal life and your relationships is everything. So if you can't have those conversations with your spouse or partner out of fear, that's that's something that you need to work on. And sometimes the way you do that is by figuring out what you need through experiences like meeting with sex workers, even if it's just like coffee dates. I've been on a million coffee dates with, you know, closeted dudes that they literally wanted to pay me $150 an hour to sit and talk with them about what they were going through and how they were conflicted about their sexuality or wondering if they needed to end their relationships because they can't go anywhere with their wife looking at their credit card or husband, you know, it's just like, just communicate guys. Well, you do have a knack for communicating. I, th- I think you're a great listener and a great speaker. So, you know, that might be another service you could offer on your OnlyFans. Like, yeah, hey, you girl. just want to, you want to talk? Let's talk. Yeah. But when I subbed to your profile this morning, I was taking a look at your content and it's clear you've had surgery. And my biggest curiosity is asking you what, like, what gave you the courage to do that? Or was it an easy thing? And secondly, like, you look damn good. There's a photo of you in the woods (laughs) putting your hat on and you're kind of smiling. And it's like a buff, like Mac Miller kind (laughs) of situation. I like it. Thank you. Yeah, for surgeries, I've been, again, very fortunate in the ease of my transition. But I got my top surgery, which is the technical term is like a bilateral mastectomy. So they're removing all of the breast tissue, in some cases, removing the nipple and and reshaping it and slapping it back on there, stitching you up, calling you good. Mm -hmm. So I got that six months into my transition, which is like crazy fast. And how'd that make you feel afterwards? Were you was it just did you feel more like towards your I don't want to say like completeness? Yeah, I get what you mean. I think that uh, yeah, completeness is kind of like, it's like the goal, but also you have to like respect the process too, right? So yes, yes, exactly. So I get what you mean. But for sure, as soon as those biddies were chopped off, I would just sit and stare at my chest, even though it was all puffy and swollen. And I was high as shit. I was just like looking down and being like, fuck yes, this is exactly right. Well, I had a breast reduction and they reshaped my nipples too. I used to have pepperoni nips, which I was teased for. And um, even now, like I look at the mirror, I'm just like, oh, you bad little bitch. And then <laughs> now I see these OnlyFans models with, you know, heavier tits, big nipples. And I'm like, you know what? If there is a part of me that says if I had been on my journey a little longer, maybe I would have kept my nipples the way they were because seeing women being so empowered with them now, it's definitely made me change my thoughts on a lot of things. And it's been a cool experience overall, but getting the breast reduction and seeing those results and like, it's it's just fun to look in the mirror and be like, you know, I, you know. Yeah. yeah. Being like, you hot. Hell Yeah. I'm going to let these out to play as often as I want. 
And kind of like what we said before, like anyone on their experience, like it's your life. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, look at me. I'm and not to be like me, me, me. But, <laughs> you know, I didn't take the the straight and narrow and because I thought I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want and people mm. will judge me for it. And, you know, maybe for you, it's like, you know, you life was a little zigzag, but you can do whatever the fuck you want there. It's it's a concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, like, if I, a now thirty-two-year-old trans man, can have had so many different lives, and now I'm just like, I got this sexy man chest. I got a big old beard. I got a hot wife. Like, I'm living my best life, being a sex worker, getting on this OnlyFans business. Like, if I can do this and just be happy than anyone can do in do it. I there's there are so many moments of my life where I was like, I'm never gonna be happy or I'm gonna die alone or, you know, all of those insecurities we tell ourselves about how we're not good enough. But you gotta sometimes just fucking take the plunge. Would your wife ever make content with you? You know, I have we've We've joked about it a little bit. And actually, since I have been more into making content, like some of it at home, some out in the woods, but the more content I've been making, the more open she's been to me, like taking pictures of her, which has been fucking awesome. I love that. I'm not sure. We'll see. (laughs) It's definitely different for everyone. A, A lot of people ask me that because people are like, do you do boy girl, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what, I I do this for me. And I don't post my partner on social media at all, because I share my life with everyone. And he's the Mm -hmm. only piece that's mine. I ain't giving him nobody. So I I feel like if I drag it on to OnlyFans, then all of a sudden our relationship is a business. Yeah, yeah, it becomes a business with all of the expectations that come with it. So bottom surgery, talk to me about that. I will talk to you about that. (laughs) So I have had some bottom surgeries. Also, I feel like I should say for the general public that Mm -hmm. I'm an open wealth of information. I'm happy to answer questions about my surgeries. It's not something that you want to just ask somebody when you find out they're trans. Because definitely I have locked some people out real quick, Mm -hmm. like starting a new friendship and, and you take that leap of faith and say, well, you know. I'm trans. And they're like, Oh, my God, that's so cool. What surgeries have you had? Yeah, like, do you have a penis? Do you have a vagina? And my I guess with this episode being about, you know, sex work and stuff, that was a heavy question for Mm -hmm. mine, because Mm -hmm. I am so curious how that works. But I definitely see the side of how something that's sacred to you. Yeah, yeah. How you want to kind of keep it keep it untainted. Yeah. And I think it's very normal for the public to feel like that's okay to ask. But Mm. then it turns into the mindset of almost like calling someone an it because then you're just like focusing on what they've done. (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to say this the right way. No, just when you're focused on somebody's genitals in like a very benign setting, it's an objectification that is like, there it is. Cool. That's the word. I love being objectified. It's like why I'm <laughs> good at what I do. But if I'm just like talking to the fucking Lowe's cashier and they ask me what's in my pants, I'm not going to be in a place where I'm willing to share that information. You know what I mean? Well, I should politely ask 
what are you comfortable sharing with about the bottom surgery? Because I know nothing about it. Oh, girl, I'm here to school you. I'm ready. (laughs) School me, please, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) So I have had one compendium of bottom surgery. I haven't had phalloplasty or scrotoplasty, any of the ones that really change the shape of your junk, let's just say, mm-hmm. for a better word or term. What I have had is, I think it's the ophorectomy, where it's a hysterectomy plus removal of your ovaries. And, you know, the ovaries are the organs in the natal female body that produce estrogen and create your cycle and all that stuff. So I, you know, took the leap and because kind of having a cycle and the potential of like pregnancy and that kind of thing, I like was just like, nope, not for me, not even thinking about it. I just jumped on the bandwagon quick. And the second surgery I got is a metoidoplasty. And that is essentially where because your clit, or as a lot of trans men like to call it their dick, mm-hmm. it grows because of the hormones. And so essentially, the metoidoplasty is removing some of the tissue that kind of keeps it in almost a, a downward position and allows it to have a little bit more freedom of movement. That's so interesting, because yeah. I always come topically, and I am continually amazed how I can just orgasm after orgasm like clitorally. Mm -hmm. But basically, if you get the surgery that removes your dick, I'm wondering, like, can you still orgasm? But then there's the alternative where you're taking the hormones to enlarges your clit a little bit. So Mm -hmm. you still have the ability to orgasm. Like, is, is there a discussion when it comes to that? I mean, not so much a discussion. It's kind of for me, and and I'm the same way, like, and I praise you for your passion regarding the Hitachi wand, because (laughs) it is my favorite tool of the trade, let me tell you. So I do topically, I mean, especially now that I have like, I call them like my little sausage or, or, you know, whatever. I love it. Whatever I feel like calling it that day, you know, I use that to topically get off. And I think I can't say this for sure. But I think a lot of like, cis dudes are missing out by not like bringing Hitachi into their own masturbatory scenes, because it works wonders. Let me tell you, as somebody who has a little bit of dick to work with, it's killer. Mm-hmm. It, uh, especially running a sex toy store, it's another passion for me to help everyone understand their pleasure capacity. And the Hitachi is like a damn car motor. Yeah, it really <laughs> it's. Is top notch. So I see that you are dipping your toes into selling underwear. How's that experience been for you? Dude, it has been so fucking fun. I got onto this website and I don't know if there are any men listening out there, but if there are, this is an option for you if you're interested. There's a website called snoozled.com. Snoozled. Let's take a look. It's like Such a cute name for something that's like pretty raunchy, but it's like a marketplace specifically for men to sell your well-loved items. And so I've sold a couple of things on there and by request, which has been like, I just, I love the interactions that go into the transaction happening. Ooh, there's some nice things on here. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you definitely see a lot of dick. But yeah, there's like, I never in a million years wow. thought that I would be like monetizing my earwax and like my piss. But it's kind of amazing and fun to utilize something that would otherwise be getting flushed away. Did you find it harder than you thought it would be to sell used items? Yes and no, especially because I'm very green at using online platforms to peddle my wares. I thought, you know, I'm going to type in that I'm a trans dude and all the boys come into the yard because that's what I experienced on Rentman, which is the platform I used for organizing my escort services. And so far, it hasn't quite picked up as much as I would like it to, but I am usually getting like one to two sales a week. And I like building those relationships with with the clients because like there's a, a guy on the East Coast who ordered a pair of my skivvies that had been well-worn and he requested I do a couple things and then I come in a couple of times, which is pretty standard fare, and that I take a nice, big, healthy piss in them. And I was like, you know... I can send you a video of me doing that for a couple extra bucks here and there. Let me give you a package. Look at you upselling. I love it. So proud of you. (laughs) I learned it from you. So like, thank you. Well, hey, you're actually putting it to work. There's, you know, some people don't digest it. And yeah, um, that says a lot. So thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Because it's one thing to read, you know, the ebook and be like, okay, now I have the tools. But you have to you have to work it. And I know that your guests in previous episodes have said this, but like it really is work. You don't just like throw some pictures on the internet and and everybody shows up and wants to like praise you. You have to be on social media, you have to be posting content, you have to be coming up with creative ways to make content. So it's like it's a real ass job. I'm sorry, I'm infatuated with rent. Dot men. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just Dick City. I there are a couple of the guys that come up on my local page that like have wow. like thirteen inch dongs, and I'm like, how? Wow! Holy shit! Yeah, I'm a little scared right now. Uh, tell me about the time the guy licked your boots clean. <laughs> oh fuck! That was one of my one of my favorite clients. I got to see him, I don't know, maybe about half a dozen times before the pandemic hit. But he started off messaging me and kind of being really general. And I'm like, okay, what are you interested in? And, you know, on these sites, you don't usually get very explicit because there's always that fear that it's being monitored somehow or you don't know who you're talking to. And so I had gotten a sense of him and I was like, okay, I feel comfortable taking on, you know, your request and like, let's meet up. So I went over to his house and he opened the door and I could see a coffee table right behind him in his living room. And he just had like a row of like butt plugs, whips, paddles, like dildos. He just had a 
ton of shit. And he was like, so, and I looked at him like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, this is like our first meeting here. I don't know if I'm ready to have all that going on. And he was like, no, those are for me. I want you to let me know how you'd like to see me use them. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. So the first thing I did while like kind of purviewing my new kingdom was I noticed that he had a dog collar and leash hanging right next to his door. I gave him the collar and I said, put this on. And he was like, yes, sir. And I said, get on your knees. And he got on his knees and I led him with the leash across the room, sat on his couch and said, lick him clean. And he just went to town licking my work work boots top to bottom. Oh my God. Was that just second nature to you to command him to do that? Or like what inspired you? I I think I saw the opportunity and I did not <laughs> took it. it. Yeah. Oh my God. What does wifey think about this? I mean, she loves hearing the stories. Um, we kind of have not an arrangement, but we kind an of an understanding. Yeah. An understanding where she wants to know about my work and she wants to know the fun parts about my work, but she also does worry when I go out for calls, especially, um, that like, what if this one's the serial killer, you know, mm-hmm. luckily that has not happened. Do you have like a protocol or a safety yes. situation? Yeah. So before any call, I share my location with her. I give her a reasonable number of details about where I'm going to be and for how long. And then I will text her before I go in and as soon as mm-hmm. I come out. And occasionally, if she is feeling particularly anxious, like if I've gone far away for a call, mm-hmm. she will ask me like a question only I will know the answer to just to ensure that I have not been, you know, kidnapped and put in a trunk or something. I admire her so much. She's the bomb. I never, ever thought in my life I would have a relationship with somebody who, A, respects my hustle, and B, is just like, yeah, sex work is work. I've met a couple who were in an open relationship and only one of them wanted to hear about the other's experiences. And it was really intriguing to me how the brain works to desire that Mm. because I myself am a very jealous person, but I do enjoy threesomes because I get the control of seeing him with another person versus him doing it on his own or Mm. anything like that. It's just very interesting how... Different people have different boundaries, but the ones who are open to the kind of understanding you have, I I just feel like they're in an elevated status of love. Yeah. I mean, it really takes, like I said earlier, communication and it takes a ton of trust. And mm-hmm. I'm really grateful that she trusts me in the way that she does because it's such a gift. And mm-hmm. I don't want to get too corny, but like, I feel like it's a pretty rare find. I... I I'm just at a loss for words. Um, I know that's like a whole nother topic. But anyways, so in closure, how can you simply not be a dick to your friendly everyday trans sex worker? Maybe the the top thing I think that I wish people would do more for me to show me respect is Mm -hmm. asking if it's okay to ask a certain question. Because Like, if somebody can ask in a respectful way, that means that they care 
what my perception of them is. Mm-hmm. If somebody's just like, yo, you got a dick or a pussy, then I'm less inclined to answer that in a friendly way, you know? So that's one way to not be a dick. Mm-hmm. And two, my experience has been that there are quite a few people that became clients after a lot of work who initially had no idea that I was a trans man. They read my profile and somehow they still missed it. And then when we met in person, they're like, oh, I was not expecting that. The next way to not be a dick is to be be okay with unexpected moments and to navigate through them like an adult. Well said. Yeah. Wow. That's I couldn't imagine that kind of situation. It's I and a lot of times when I talk to people, I know I shouldn't make their experiences about me. I just I try to relate and understand a lot. Mm-hmm. And after having the reduction, getting naked in front of someone that was always in the back of my mind, like, are they going to look at my scars? You know, I think everyone can feel insecure about different body parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's as far as I can relate to that and getting to the point where you're just comfortable with it. Like on my OnlyFans, I rarely smooth or edit out my scars anymore. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you also can if you want to, you know, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But it's it's a journey. It's a process. Yeah. Totally. So what are your goals for being a content creator in 2021? Okay. My goals, one, are to up my game on social media. I have never, ever in my life used Twitter until maybe like three weeks ago. And I have no idea what I'm doing. So I want to study up more social media marketing and kind of start implementing that, posting more frequently, and using this time where we're all supposed to be apart to take advantage of really honing in on my persona for OnlyFans and coming up with just really dope and creative content. That's a great answer. There's a silver lining in this situation that we're all going through. And sex work is definitely a great opportunity if you're willing to take that risk. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I think you are just an amazing human being. You inspire me and empower me in so many ways, just from what I've learned and want to continue to learn. Is there anything that you'd like to tell our listeners? Well, one, that you are all the bomb and you should do what makes you feel good, no matter what the fuck it is, as long as you're not hurting somebody without consent. And also to you, just like, thank you for being so open to having this conversation. Thank you for being a role model to all of us entrepreneurial sluts, because Lord knows there are so many people out there putting information into the world that is actually harmful. And I feel like you take your responsibility as this content creator and kind of guide for people very seriously. And I appreciate that so much. Well, thank you. It's been very fulfilling to find some purpose and being able to execute it in a positive way. So thank you again. All right, sluts. That is all. We will see you next week and go get that money. Love you guys. Bye.